Good morning. Good to see you all here this October morning. Southern Baptist Church in a small town was preparing for their annual Women's Missionary Union Spring Fling, right? It was going to be a garden party on the church lawn underneath the big oak tree. Sounds like a great thing, doesn't it, right? Well, it was an invitation type thing. It wasn't invitation only, but they decided to invite all the women of the church with these nice spring fling invitations, which was the first mistake anyway. And the morning of the spring fling, the pastor was looking over the invitation list, and he noticed that one woman's name was not on there, and she was a senior adult woman who had the reputation for being a little cantankerous, a little unforgiving. So he thought to himself, oh, Lord, I need to call this woman. So he called her up, and he said, Miss So-and-so, just want to let you know that somehow your, your name was mistakenly left off the invitation list for the spring fling, but we'd love to have you here. We'd love to come, come on out, and we think we're going to have a beautiful day. Please forgive us for this oversight and come to the, to the uh, party there on the lawn. The woman was quiet for a second. She said, well, begging won't help you now, preacher. I've already been praying for rain. <laughs> today we're talking about forgiveness today. We are in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger... His master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. 
so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Heavenly Father, what a warning we read today in your word. Lord, we know that you are a gracious, loving Father, and we know that we are saved through belief in you for the forgiveness of sins. But Lord, what a stern reminder that a saved heart, a born-again heart, is a forgiving heart. And if we have unforgiveness in our life and bitterness, when we read this, it should melt us. Should, as we just heard the choir sing, it we should cause us to humble ourselves. So, Father, as we look at this passage today, show us what we can learn about forgiveness that you give us here. Lord, I, I pray that, that my words reflect your heart, that my preaching is filled with your spirit, that your Holy Spirit works in our congregation today to those who are watching. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This discourse picks up on the heels of Jesus talking about what to do when you've been sinned against. What do you do? How do you act? Jesus says that if a brother sins against you, go and talk to him about it. Keep it between the two of you. But if he's unrepentant, then, then open that circle of influence up to some trusted friends. And if he's still unrepentant, Jesus said to take it to the church. Now, what does that mean? It means that take it to some trusted leadership of the church that can help you resolve the issue. And if the person is still unrepentant, then you must assume by their unrepentance, by their actions, that they are an unbeliever because they're acting like one. So it's this context where Peter approaches Jesus and asks more about forgiveness. So in this passage, I want to give you three traits that we see of Christ-like forgiveness. Three traits of Christ-like forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is limitless. Forgiveness is limitless. Verse 21, again, Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I must forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter basically says, Jesus, about this forgiveness you're talking about, I got a question about this, right? How often should I forgive? At what point can I say, nope, you're not forgiven anymore? What's the breaking point? What's the limit? Is this, this might be something you've wondered in your life. I don't know, right? Maybe we've always had this, this question before. When can I say no? No forgiveness for you. <laughs> now, the Jewish rabbis at the time required those who, who were believers to forgive a person who was guilty of the same offense three times. Forgive them once, forgive them twice, and then three strikes are out. That they were free to stop forgiving after that third. In that mindset, the, the offended person has had exhausted any reason 
to be forgiven. So Peter seems to know that Jesus' standards was probably higher. So he comes to him and he says, Jesus, how often? Seven? I'll more than double it, right? Seven? What do you think, Jesus? He's, and I think he's, he's genuinely curious about it. I don't think Peter's looking for permission to not forgive people. I think he wants to know Jesus' stance. And Jesus answers the impossible. He says, I do not say to you, verse 22, seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven in some translations. So what he means is, what, 490 times? So the 491st time, I will not forgive you. How would you even count that? Maybe you do count how many times people have sinned against you, but I don't count that high. What he's saying is surely hyperbole for meaning unlimited times. Why would Jesus give this complex answer? Why would he not just say unlimited? Why would he say this weird 70 times 7? Well, I think there's some biblical precedents. Back in Genesis, when Cain killed Abel, God promised Cain protection and said if anyone would kill him, then he would be avenged seven times. And later in chapter 4, Lamech, a descent of Cain, descendant of Cain, boasted that if anyone killed him, he would be avenged 70 times seven times. So it seems that Jesus is using a phrase that these men should have been familiar with from the fourth chapter of Genesis. Seven times? No, 70 times seven. No doubt this would make Peter and the disciples think about why Jesus would, would talk about that verse. Why would he be referring to that? Now, both of these, these appearances of this phrase are two contrasting ideas. One is talking about avenging murder in, in Lamech's case. One is talking about forgiving sin. Jesus seems to be saying that as complete and as full as Lamech's statement of vengeance would have been, this is the type of complete and fullness of forgiveness you need to be ready to have. Your forgiveness needs to be equally complete and full. As, as, as crazy sounding as Lamech was, that he would avenge 70 times 7, this is how much forgiveness you need to be willing to give your brother. There is no limit to Lamech's vengeance, and there should be no limit to your forgiveness. Of that very high standard. So, forgiveness is limitless. Secondly, forgiveness is merciful. Now, to further this point, Jesus gives them a parable. Because we know they'd be scratching their head thinking, well, that's, that's pretty high, pretty high standard. We were on the three-strike rule, and now we're into the limitless rule. Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, all the parables that Jesus gave dealt with the kingdom of heaven. And what they did is they all described with what kind of people God's kingdom would be made up with, what were the attributes of a believer, how did one get into the kingdom? They dealt with all these questions. So in this parable, a king 
who is God in the parable. He wished to settle accounts with each servants, and each servant were given some of the king's accounts to manage, and he met with them to see how they did. Verse 24, and when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, again, this is a, a kind of a hyperbolic uh, uh, amount. 10,000 talents is essentially an infinity amount of money. It'd be like saying bajillion, quadrillion, trillion, or something like that, right? It, 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 no one has this amount. It's the most money imaginable. In fact, you can't imagine it. So basically, he had a debt that was impossible to repay. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And this is how much of slavery worked in the biblical world. If you had debt you couldn't pay, you, and it, it, depending on how bad, how big the debt was, you, <coughs> you and possibly your family would become slaves. Ah, oh, sorry. You worked off your debt if you didn't die first. So this servant, having nothing to lose, he begs for his debt to be forgiven. Verse 26. <clears throat> so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. So this idea of, of having patience means to be slow in avenging. Be slow to punish me, he says. Be, be patient. <clears throat> be merciful. That is his request. Shockingly, he gave him that mercy for seemingly no reason at all. He just begged, and he gave it to him. Verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. That's what forgiveness is. It's a moral debt that people owe you. It's not a financial debt. It's a moral debt. When someone sins against you, they owe you a moral debt. And it's up to you to forgive that moral debt or not. They can't forgive it for themselves. You have to forgive it. And Jesus says to forgive it infinitely. Because forgiveness is giving mercy. Now, grace is getting something we don't deserve, right? But mercy is withholding punishment for something we did that we deserve it for. That's what mercy is. Withholding that punishment. And so when you forgive people, you're being merciful and you're withholding your punishment that they deserve. They deserve it. You're withholding their punishment on them. You're letting them go. You're being merciful. So forgiveness is merciful. Number three, forgiveness is compassionate. Forgiveness is compassionate. Verse 28. <clears throat> but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Now before, the wicked servant, as Jesus calls him, he owed an infinitely amount of money. hundred denarii would be about $6,000. 
Now, that's not an insignificant amount, right? It's $6,000. If I came to you and said, pay me six grand, you'd be like, wait a second, now hold on. I don't know if I have it. If you do have it, you'd be like, why am I giving this to you? It's, it's, it's not an insignificant amount. But it's certainly far less than the first servant owed the king. Now, we read of no conversation between the two men. But we do read that the wicked servant, as Jesus calls him, chokes the other servant. He's choking him. Why do you choke someone unless you want to injure them or scare them or kill them? He's basically saying, pay what you owe me or else. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And since we just read the first account, we're assuming, Jesus is assuming you're going to think, oh yeah, well this, this servant then forgave him. That's what seems that we think would happen. It's the same phrase the wicked servant used. <clears throat> but the wicked servant, who just experienced this mercy, is unwilling to give the same mercy to the other man. Verse 30. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. He doesn't even give him the option of being a slave and working off the debt like his master gave him. He just throws him in prison for $6,000 debt which is far worse. How will you earn money in prison? There's no convict work program in the biblical world. You can't. He's there forever for a little debt. Thankfully, the people saw this injustice, and they reported it. Look at verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And the way this is written, this is the most distressed you can possibly have greatly distressed and they should have been they went and reported it to their master all that had taken place and his master summoned him and said to him you wicked servant i forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as i had mercy on you and the answer to that question is supposed to be well of course yes verse 34 and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers so he should pay all his debt. So the master then comes back and gives the wicked servant the punishment that the wicked servant was going to give the other servant. Right? Prison. He becomes punished by his own ungrateful, unmerciful heart. And that's the thing about unforgiveness. Whatever we harm we want to inflict on those who've forgiven us, who, who, who have sinned against us, whatever harm we want to inflict upon them, often we inflict it upon ourselves. We don't realize it, but that's what we're doing. So, Jesus ties up the story just in case we missed the point, verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to everyone of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, this is a warning to all of us. Amen? It's a stern warning that if we are unwilling to ever forgive a person who sins against us, then we don't deserve the kingdom. Now, sometimes when it comes to bitterness and unforgiveness, we try to wait for our feelings to match up with our action. We just need some time. Need some time to get over it. And I know that. I know that feeling. 
But he doesn't seem to talk about that. He doesn't talk about that. He didn't say, give yourself a few months to process. Come to a place where you're not being so emotional. Right? And, now, and sometimes forgiveness does take place over time. But we don't have to let our emotions catch up to the act of forgiveness. He just says forgive. It is a hard issue. We do have to have a right heart with it. He says if we're unwilling to never forgive a person, we don't deserve the kingdom. We deserve that punishment. We deserve that hell. Who deserves the kingdom of heaven? Only those whose sins who've been covered by the death, by the burial, by the resurrection of Jesus. Only those whose sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Only those who've received mercy from God on high. And we only deserve it because Jesus gave us this forgiveness. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're born again. Why? How? Because he caused us to be born again through his great mercy. He forgave us sinning against him. Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's where we receive it. Praise the Lord, God didn't wait for his emotions to catch up with his forgiveness. Amen? Amen. He was merciful. For those who can't get it, they've not received it either. Jesus offers his mercy through his forgiveness of sins to everyone. And for those who receive it, we're born again. Look at John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born again. Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And those who are born again understand the forgiveness they've received, so they should be willing to give mercy to those who sin against them as God gave mercy as we sinned against him. That's what Jesus is saying. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new Charlie, 2023 Charlie, should be much more forgiving and merciful than Charlie of the past. It should be that way with everyone. Ultimately, forgiveness is compassionate because in God's love, he gave his life for us. He showed us compassion. How can we not show compassion to others? As believers, compassion is in us now. We have that compassion. It's who we are. It's our spirit. And the more you walk with Christ, the more you know him, the easier it'll be to forgive others. Right? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus and you're harboring 
unforgiveness. And I listen, you don't have to tell me how bad it is. I'm sure it's bad. Or you wouldn't be harboring it. Amen. <laughs> I'm sure it's bad. If you're harboring it, you're fighting a losing battle. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You're fighting against the Spirit. You're not going to win when you're fighting against the Spirit of God. Everything in your spirit wants to forgive that person, but, but the old person doesn't. And you're fighting a losing battle. You're battling the Holy Spirit, and you're not showing mercy. You're not showing compassion. And Jesus says that you're no, you're no different than the wicked servant. Now, these are hard to hear because we're thinking, well, I would never do that. Well, you're doing it now in your heart. However, you should be different than the wicked servant because you have Christ in you. So today, we're going to have our invitation time. Today, let today be the day that you make a vow to, to show mercy, show compassion to the ones who've wronged you by forgiving them today. You don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to go have coffee with them. You don't have to hang out with them. But you do have to forgive them. All right? That's what he's saying. Maybe you can't forgive because you've never experienced God's forgiveness. You're not a Christian. You're not a believer. You've never truly experienced that before. Today can be the day that you can. You can say, God, forgive me for sinning against you and your law. Please show me this mercy I hear about. Show me this compassion I've read about. Make me a, a new person in you. Save me from the waiting and just punishment of my sins. Make me born again. Let me experience your forgiveness today. And the wonderful thing about that is when you ask that, it's done. All the sins you've committed against God your whole life, done. He doesn't say, well, give me a few months to process. <laughs> give me some time to pray about it. He says, forgiven. Today, whatever your situation, remember, forgiveness is part of the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a forgiving God. And we need these passages to remind us of how to deal with people who, who hurt us. There's many people in here today that carry a lot of pain because of what's happened to them. And many people who are truly victims. But, Lord, you don't want that pain to define their lives. You don't want that victimization to be who they are. It might be part of their story, but it's not who they are. They are in Christ. They are in you. So, Father, as we close our time together today, that you would work in the hearts of those that are here, that those that need to forgive will forgive, and that those that need to be forgiven today will be forgiven in you. Lord, maybe there's one here that needs, needs to come down and just pray at your feet here at the front of the church. They'll do that. That they'll just need to kind of publicly give it to you. Maybe they need me to pray with them. Whatever it is, Father, that you would place on their heart the decision they need to make. Lord, we love you for being so forgiving, for being so merciful, for being so compassionate, for having forgiveness that knows no bounds.
Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.